in your life even once is enough yeah ever wake up and say let me have a good day today how many of you raise your hand okay good how many of you do it like 70 percent of the time okay from yeah, so the, the, the difference between these two questions is if you have done it even just once you can raise the first time and even then not all of us raise their hand yeah. matter of fact I don't wake up every day thinking mm, let me have a good day today <laughs> but for sure is there anyone who will ever wake up and say let me have a bad day even once not planned but like, somehow rather when you wake up you know it's going to be a bad day <laughs> So no la. So you don't plan la. No, I just plan. No, no, not plan. Ah, okay, good. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> this student of mine, uh, very cute, eh? <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, okay. So, uh, while we sometimes plan to have a good day, or maybe not consciously good day, but if we are doing something, let's say a project, or planning for a trip, or just going out to get something, we hope to achieve that. You don't go out to buy something hoping that you will not buy it. Very, very unlikely. La. Usually, if you plan to go and buy it, you want to buy it. Yeah. Uh, so, <clears throat> whether it's having a good day or doing something, uh, we hope to achieve what we want to achieve. Yeah. But sometimes, as Jianing mentioned, sometimes we don't achieve it. And sometimes we even know that we are not going to achieve it. Sometimes we even know that it's going to be a bad day. Yeah. What they call like, wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Yeah. Uh, it only happens if your bed is by the, by the wall. Wake up. <laughs> yeah. So some people circumvent that by putting their bed in the middle of the room. <laughs> Both sides okay. Both sides Yeah. So, but the, the point is that um, Sometimes things don't go our way. Yeah, sometimes uh, we fail in our endeavor. Sometimes we, we hope to have a good day. Yeah? Uh, well, most of the time we hope. We may not consciously think in that way, but we all would like to have a good day. But sometimes, no. So sometimes when Sibu asks you, how, are, how is everyone today? Yeah, some, there was once or twice. Yeah? Of so many classes I conducted, I ask this question every time. Yeah, usually good or some great, uh, really, you know. But there was once or twice, one student that not so good as <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was refreshing. When it's not so good, uh, are we still okay? Uh, that's the important thing. Because sometimes in life, uh, things don't go so well things may go terribly wrong. Uh, I recall many instances where in my life, we, we, we set off to do something and then things go so terribly wrong. Uh, once, <coughs> before my ordination,
vacation. My family, we went to Taiwan and we're supposed to meet my master. Yeah, I brought my parents to see my teacher. And somehow, the arrangement was, uh, I don't know how it happened, but in any case, we dropped at a stop that required us to walk like really long, like maybe half an hour or 45 minutes for a long time. Yeah. And then, uh, when it comes to Dharma, uh, when it comes to Dharma stuff versus Wodi stuff, different people react differently. For my mother, last time when I was a lay person, I tried to get chill her to watch movies. You know? How many of your son chill you to watch movies? <coughs> How many of you have, have son? Have, or children, children? How many of your children chill you to watch movies? Well, not bad, huh? Well done. Very good. So I was one of those sons also. Well, I'm, I'm very pleased to, to know that, you know? Yeah, not bad. Uh, so, but then my mom is someone who is not so interested when it comes to uh, movies. She will find all kinds of excuses to like, like sneak her way around. Or when she does turn up, she will just fall asleep in the cinema. <laughs> yeah, but when it comes to Dharma, wow, she's super on. <laughs> yeah, she can go go for weeks of, of puja and everything until she collapsed, she collapsed with a smile. But that day when we were going to see our teacher, even her, such a person, she got frustrated. <laughs> yeah, because the weather was hot and then we were walking and the, the key thing about distances is you must know how much more to go. When you don't know how much more to go, yeah, it feels forever, you know, expectations. So, uh, that day, I think everybody's mood, she was the first to blow fuse, but I think the rest were all like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, usually, I'd be the one to be the first to blow fuse, you know. Yeah. So, in a way, that day, things didn't go well. But if that day, we decided to let ourselves be overwhelmed by that, then we may just say, never see your teacher tomorrow. Then we may not get to meet him then, then. Of course, eventually, when I went for my ordination, we could get to meet him. Yeah. Uh, but uh, oftentimes, when it comes to uh, our day-to-day -day life or Dharma practices, uh, things don't always go well. Yeah. Things don't always go well. Uh, especially so when you try to... Uh, if you even dare to say, I shall be a Bodhisattva. It is said, many masters have, have uh, expressed this, have said, the moment you want to cultivate, the moment you say you are Bodhisattva, poor, all kinds of rubbish fly away. <laughs> a lot of challenges. Of challenges, or you, you, without even you saying it out, yeah, in your mind, if you just think, huh, uh, I like to be more uh, charitable, well, then suddenly a lot of people start to come and ask you for money, uh. <laughs> yeah, or, or help, or if you may think, ah, let me 
Mm. Oh, after listening to a talk about the Buddha's past life, how he endured the 500 ends, inviting him to death, that thing mm. ends big deal, you know. Uh, I shall practice patience and tolerance, kanti uh, paramita, uh, and so on. <laughs> oh, uh, without even saying it out, next thing you know, uh, even Sukukan Tukan you. Yeah, so uh, the uh, important thing is really how we face the challenges in our life. Yeah. Uh, sometimes some devotees ask me, uh, they have been uh, praying to the Buddha, doing offerings, doing chanting for so many years. Why do they still have to face sickness? And of course, if you get a flu, nobody questions Buddha. Yeah, when you have, when you have a headache or you have flu, do you question Buddha? Hey, Buddha, I offer water every day. You know, is this? Huh? can we have a? Can I have five minutes and have a discussion? <laughs> But if you, <clears throat> if like some of my students, you actually uh, receive the news from a doctor that you have cancer, you may start to question. I have the privilege of uh, sharing and teaching some students who have gone through cancer. And the interesting thing is that they, they come through it stronger in their faith, stronger in their practice. Yeah. In fact, uh, in some of the sessions, I, I feel I feel more troubled than them. They are like, you know, taking it easy and, and almost like laughing. And not that I'm crying or anything, but I was a bit concerned. Yeah. And especially one of them who went into remission, and after a year plus, then there was a relapse, yeah, colon cancer. Now he has gone through a second round of chemo, and it's like, and this is what he told me. He said, after the 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 the, uh, the whole process, uh, he's grateful that because of the cancer, he he got him to think, yeah, I should spend more time on it to to explore life, and actually because of the the cancer then it compelled him to want to learn the, the teachings. And he, then he told me that he has made a pact with Tizang Pusa. Yeah. How many of you have made pact with Buddha or the Bodhisattvas? He made a pact with, uh, with Tizang Pusa. He said he's ready to go anytime. But if Tizang Pusa feels that he has, he, he has any more use in, in this life, willing to stay, but if Tizampusa wants to assign him to any other world, he's ready to go. Wow. Well, when I heard him say that, I'm like, wow. I wonder how many monks can say that. <laughs> I never thought about this though. I guess maybe because I've never really faced life-threatening circumstances yet as a monk. But once in a while when I fall sick, I will I will sort of think, ah, maybe I'll die this time. <laughs> Not being morbid, yeah. but to consider, yeah, if I'm going to die, what, what am I going to do? So, whether it's our health or uh, 
whatever is going on in our life, sometimes it doesn't go our way, sometimes it can go terribly wrong. Being a Buddhist, the Buddha don't say that, oh, you are a Buddhist, then you never fall sick. The Buddha and his monks, the Arahants, they fall sick also. Dr. Jivaka uh, attended to them. Likewise for the Bodhisattvas. You don't say that, oh, uh, if you practice Buddhism, then you don't fall sick. Uh, in case if, if you hear of anyone with this mindset, what is wrong with this mindset? If you have this mindset, then you better pray that you don't fall sick. <laughs> because the moment you fall sick, you may lose faith. In each case, for a person to have faith in that way, it is having faith for the wrong reason. And subsequently, when they fall sick, they lose faith for the wrong reason as well. Yeah. I've seen um, numerous individuals. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Because the Buddhist <coughs> path, oh, the expectation is even higher now. So, where do we stop us? First number 26, 25, 26. Oh, did we manage to cover so much? So have you all done the exercise? Uh, every week I'll ask until you all feel compelled to even have one one more. Then this will become so much brighter. You know? And who knows? Because of that thought, you may be more compelled to reach out to another person and the person gets touched by you, by your bodhicitta, and then the person may, even for just one instance, forego that self-cherishing thought, forego that habitual tendency to always just consider for themselves. And then it may spark, it, it may cause, compel that person to act in a selfless manner, uh, in a very pure, caring way towards others. And that in turn may spark another person. It's like MLM, you know? <laughs> so, Zhen Gui Pu Ti Xing, Zhong Shen An Le Ying, Chu Fu Miao Gan Ling, Qi Fu He Nen Liang. The pain dispelling drug, this cause of joy, for those who wander through the world, this precious attitude. This jewel of mine, how shall it be gauged or quantified? So this verse, this verses so far is using different metaphors and parables to to bring out how precious and how unique, how um, valuable, yeah, of how much benefit it is to sentient beings. 
which includes ourselves. Yeah. So, in a way, to begin with, uh, this teaching is not for uh, common folks. Huh? Yeah. But when I say common folks, I mean uh, the, those who are not even ready to care for people around themselves. Because so far, all the descriptions is about how, you know, how amazing it is that the person can care boundlessly and so on and so forth. So for a person, if a person is exactly not there, if a person is someone who is precisely still holding on to uh, their own possessions, their own being and so on, yeah, uh, they find it difficult to comprehend all this. But time and again, the verses is trying to highlight. No, 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 no. It is of much value and value. Yeah. The, the one thing that is common throughout for all sentient beings is that we all fear suffering, fear pain, and seek happiness. But, but while we want to have happiness, we want to have uh, here the word anla translated as joy. Uh, perhaps peace and joy may be better. Yeah? Peace and joy may be better. Yeah? Or even just the word peace. Yeah? Uh, the joy arises from the peace. True joy can only arise by detachment. True peace. A lot of things in this world can bring us joy, but a lot of these things that can bring us joy uh, can cause us to have fear. You know? yeah. So those kind of joy that arise from uh, those circumstances that don't give us peace, uh, they are not true sources of joy. Yeah. Because uh, it has the subtle, uh, subtle fear and anxiety intertwined with it. The uh, this bodhicitta. Why is bodhicitta a, a true source, a true uh, cause for the for this peace and happiness for sentience? Bodhicitta mm, uh, it points towards true liberation. It points towards the true liberation by uh, by means of the truth. By means of the truth. It is not uh, it's not giving you an alternative just as a backup or just as a temporary solution. Yeah. There are many things that can bring people happiness. In the past, uh, I had this mindset, oh, you must do this, uh, you must do this. But over the years, do what? Practice the Dhamma, learn Dhamma, must. But over the years, I, I stopped saying that. Uh, not that I don't think it's true. Uh. I, 
definitely think it's true. But I start to appreciate that not everybody is really toying. Yeah. I start to appreciate that uh, why the Buddha uh, do not go around compelling everybody. Why is not a monk? Why is not a nun? Huh? Why are you waiting for? Quick, quick. <laughs> yeah. He urges those who are already ordained. Those who are ordained versus those who are not ordained, the Buddha indeed if you look at the Buddha, he gives slightly slightly David instructions. To those who are already ordained, he gives very strong urgency. Yeah. He uh, even even admonish those who are monastics. Even if they just stood a bit, he would admonish them. But for Lee, Consider this, is form permanent or impermanent? Then ask him, uh, of course, right, then ask him, uh, is form that is impermanent subject to change? Past is subject to change. Is form that is impermanent subject to change, subject to suffering? Yes. Now, in that, that case, this physical form. Uh, that is impermanent, subject to change, subject to suffering. Is it worthwhile for you to consider? Is it fit to be considered mine, me, or myself? Going through the five aggregates, form, feelings, perception, mental formations, and consciousness, uh, the Venerable Sariputra counseled that sick day person. And after hearing it, he cried. that he has never heard this form of teaching before. Yeah. Although he has been supporting the Buddha and the Sangha for so long. And then Venerable Sariputra actually replied saying that uh, it is because uh, for the lay uh, for the lay follower, the lay disciple, uh, you all didn't make the decision that you want to be enlightened. That you, are, you still want to enjoy sensual pleasure. Uh, this was it. Uh, whereas for the monastics, they have committed themselves full time, they want to be enlightened. Uh, so, hence that disparity. So, he then, uh, he, he then uh, uh, gave this uh, or, or made this appeal, saying, uh, Please convey this appeal to the Buddha. There are those lay people who also have little dust in their eyes and they can understand this teaching. This teaching that points towards the supramundane truth. Yeah, out of compassion uh, for the lay, uh, please you know, appeal to the Buddha that he also teach this to the lay. Yeah. Uh, 
And so that's why today, you know, in, in today's society, uh, lay people can listen to like, all kinds of teachings. Uh, yeah. uh, but uh, sometimes when these kind of teachings are given, then you find that uh, it's not so popular. considered to be the cause of peace and happiness of sentient beings. Yeah, and, then, and the uh, and the translation is like is like the pain dispelling drug. Yeah, pain dispelling drug. Yeah, so then it says, the merit of having such qualities. How can you measure it? How can you measure it? This reminds me of the four immeasurables. Earlier on, uh, one of the sister, uh, brother and sister uh, told me about the retreat they just went today. Uh, the teaching was given on the four immeasurables, the first two of the four immeasurables. Uh, the four immeasurables are known as four immeasurables because the, the target the target of your of this quality is immeasurable. When you have loving kindness or love, you don't just target it towards your loved ones, towards those who are nice to you. The person scolded me. No no compassion for you. The person always disagrees with me. No compassion for you. The person, I don't know who that is. Or maybe the person is not the same race as you, for whatever reason. Yeah. The four immeasurables is uh, is extended boundlessly yeah, to extend and encompass immeasurable uh, sentient things. Now then you consider four immeasurables is like this, much more buddhicitta. Yeah. Uh, at the core of buddhicitta is that it encompasses all sentient Hence the merit. How can you measure the merit? Yeah. How can you measure the merit? Last week, yes. Um, yeah. It's yes. not the merit question. Uh, merit. But, but it's uh, another question. Okay. Is, is it a, a good time to ask? Uh, maybe you ask, and then I see whether it's a good time. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what exactly is bodhicitta? What exactly is bodhicitta? Is it just kindness, compassion? Oh, no, no, no. Okay, maybe some of us may need a refresher or so. What is bodhicitta? Uh, Bodhicitta 
is the is the mindset, is the aspiration to attain enlightenment uh, in order to liberate all sentient beings. And here specifically Buddhahood. Uh, specifically Buddhahood. When I in the past when I learned about uh, the teachings in secondary school arcade I didn't think about that oh, when you attain Buddhahood it is for what purpose yeah. uh, I just thought Buddha, Buddha Buddha is highest uh, then later on I heard from some uh, friends who practice the Tibetan uh, lineage and then they mentioned about how Those who strive towards Buddhahood, uh, strive to attain Buddhahood in order to liberate all sentient beings. Uh, but maybe because I have not attended much, so much talks, I attended, I would say, quite a good number of talks, but I haven't heard this said in the Chinese tradition. So I always thought that this is a Tibetan idea. But in the past few years, when I went through the Avatamsaka Sutra, the late, the last 60, 65 chapters, uh, this is actually inside the sutra. Why? Because it describes the Bodhicitta as, or it describes Buddhahood as the fruit of the Bodhi, Bodhi tree. Uh, not the actual Bodhi tree, it's, uh, it's a metaphor that. Uh, the, uh, the practice itself towards Buddhahood is like the tree. Yeah? Bodhisattva path is like a tree. Yeah? And then it results in the various fruits. The roots itself, <laughs> the roots is sentient things. Such a metaphor given inside the sutra. That Buddhahood has is, uh, is the fruits from Bodhi tree which has its roots, which is, in this case, represented by sentient beings. Without sentient beings, in other words, there's no Buddha. Or yeah. well, this really, I mean, uh, the, the, the whole dimension about Buddhahood changes so drastically. Uh, in the past few years, when I conduct classes on Heart Sutra, I start to appreciate this statement much better as well. Because if you think about it, stepping out of religion, out of Buddhism, can a teacher say that he wants to be a teacher, but he don't care about students? You cannot study and learn and become a teacher apart from students. You are not a teacher without students. Can a doctor say he study and get a doctor, doctor's degree, get a uh, medicine degree, and then say he's not going to treat any patients? If you don't treat any patients, you are not practicing medicine. In which case, then you are effectively not a doctor. You're only doctor by name. Isn't it? Uh, so, uh, there's this term called Fuo Shi. Fuo Shi. Uh, what is Huoshi? You know Huoshi? Let me, let me, 
Andrew Kiba. This is the Buddhist author Kiba. <laughs> is it clear? Is it uh, big enough? No. Not big enough. But... Yes. Yeah. So literally, let me translate. Literally means Buddha matter. Too small. Huh? Sorry, the screen is not big enough. If it's not big enough, you need to. You shouldn't come to my class. You should go and see an optician. Yeah. So. Very quick one. This term is very interesting because uh, when I was younger, when I hear of this term, it means someone died, you go and invite monks to go and chanting. Uh, this is the common parlance, you know, uh, that people use to describe the invitation to ask monks to kind of do chanting. Yeah. Uh, but as I learned the, the teachings, then I realized that actually this is uh, in a way a misuse of the term. What is Buddha matters? What does it mean to do Buddha matters? Yeah, in the Theravada tradition, there's something called Dhamma Dutta. Yeah. Dhamma Dutta. Yeah, it means do Dhamma work. Do Buddha matters is similar to that. When we say a person is doing Buddha matters, it means he's liberating sentient beings. And it's not limited to doing chanting. But it also means that when the monks come to do chanting, it is not just, you know, it's not just that, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, the Bodhisattvas, they are also doing Buddha matters. Yeah. They are doing that also. So if you, if we realize this, then it means that whenever any any enlightened ones arise as a Buddha, he must be doing the work of liberating sentient things. So by definition, huh? So abstract. So abstract. Very too, too. Huh? Abstract. I don't know. Liberating. It's not like a lay people. Huh? Well, how is that abstract? <laughs> Do you, mean to say, do you mean to say that it's so difficult to do? And difficult and abstract is two different things. Uh, difficult and at the same time, hard to huh? even like conceive what it may be. Yeah. Liberate something? Yes. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> why, why, how, how is it difficult to conceive? Uh, it's really hard to know what's the right thing to do. To know what is the right thing to do is it means that it's difficult to do. Yeah, doesn't mean that it's doesn't mean that yeah, it's. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what are the ways to mean to like liberate them from what? Yeah. Liberate from suffering or liberate from what? Okay. Huh? Yeah. But it's a good point, uh, because oftentimes we, because in the Buddhist circle, we sometimes are so used to these terms, you know. Siyato, Siyato, liberate, liberate, Nibbana, Nibbana. But then, um, sometimes when you really sit down and ask people, so what does it mean by Nibbana? Well, they can tell you uh, five minutes, uh, but never talk about suffering. 
they say she has this question. What do you mean by liberate? I, I mean, I, I do look sad because I was really sad. Like, oh, what do you mean by <laughs> It's a good question, actually. Yeah, because Bodhisattva Park, yeah, the, the, the goal is that you seek to improve yourself such that you have the wisdom and the means, the ability to help others become enlightened. And when we say become enlightened, it means to be able to see the truth to the degree such that you relate to this world uh, differently. In what way? In a way that doesn't result in craving and attachment. And hence, end of suffering. That is basically, in a nutshell, liberation. But you should be correct. Any of you will be correct to say that yeah, okay, having known that that is the process, even to do it yourself is not a trivial process. There are much more uh, to help someone do it. In fact, the Buddhas cannot really help us do it. They can only show us how to do it. They can encourage us how to do it. They can give us tips on how to do it, but we must still do it ourselves. And that's the, that's the bummer part of Buddhism. <laughs> But at the same time, it is the upside about Buddhism. Because it means that you don't have to please anyone. Your liberation depends solely on yourself. You don't need to please Sifu or Buddha to be enlightened. You know what I mean? You don't have to get into my book, good books. Wow, Sifu must favor you, then you can get enlightened. No need. You can call your Sifu, but you can still get enlightened. <laughs> yeah? But of course, if you quarrel due to your own defilement, then <laughs> your defilement is what stops you. Not that Sifu stops you from enlightenment, you understand? Uh, so this is both the, the bane and the boom, boon of Buddhism. Yeah. If you are a person who, who is used to being so-called taken care of by people, that means people uh, you know, will do you favor and stuff like that, then Buddhism may not be your cup of tea. You may find Buddhism, ayah, how come don't give chance one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how come there's no shortcuts? Yeah. Yeah. Buddhism is not for everyone. I, I have come to realize and accept that. As Bhante Dhamma Ratana uh, once said, he said, Buddhism is for those who are more mature, ready to take on responsibility of their own actions, ready to be responsible for their own habits. Oh, he put it so beautifully without insulting anybody. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah, thank you for asking that. Although it did kind of blow me away, <laughs> I was like, huh? I feel a bit stupid asking you. No, 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 no. Please continue to ask these questions. Yeah, it is what online is called the uh, tell me like I'm five. Yeah, tell me like I'm five. Not that you are fine, <laughs> yeah. but there's this phrase. Have you heard of this phrase? Or teach me, or or tell me. Uh, tell me like I'm fine. Eh, no, sorry, wrong wrong one. Uh, tell me like I'm fine. Five. Yeah. How come we got Emma? Tell. Tell. Like, tell. 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 Tell.
left hand five. I think T L I F. T L I five. Something like that. Some short form, and it basically means uh, to explain it in the simplest way. Yeah, in the simplest way possible. Also, so uh, this is to highlight that if you all have any questions, don't bring it to your deathbed. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If you have any questions, just ask. We are among friends. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you for asking. Thank you for answering. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah. Last time, uh, you you may wonder, and some people may may comment and say, "Wow, Sifu is so Sifu or whatever." But actually, it's not. Last time, I used to ask my mother a lot of questions. So I'm getting the karma. <laughs> Last time my mom used to say, like when I ask her until she cannot answer, then she say like, next time when you have kids, then you know. <laughs> then I become a mom, no more kids, huh? uh, but I have disciples. <laughs> yeah. Disciples, I have more disciples than kids. Most people have kids, huh? so yeah. but it's a good thing. Because when I find that over the years, uh, it's many times through the questions that really help me to uh, know how how well I actually know, or to to help me uncover a blind spot that I may not have thought of. Yeah. So, uh, okay, now this is Jin, huh? Right. 警示利益眾生,福聖共諸佛,何況情精進,利樂諸有情。For in the simple thought, to be of help to others, exceeds in worth the worship of the Buddhas, what need is there to speak of actual deeds that bring about the will and benefit of beings? So, uh, if you just have a simple thought, let me, and without acting on it, uh, here this is the contrast, saying that if you just have a thought to help sentient beings, the merit surpasses if you were to do offering to the Buddha. You know, the Buddha himself, when he saw this monk, uh, I think he had dysentery uh, or leprosy. Um, and nobody took care of him. So he called Ananda to prepare some water and asked him, asked Padabha Ananda, like, why is he left alone in his quarters and, like, you know, nobody taking care of him? So Padabha Ananda told the Buddha that he was not uh, amiable to others. Yeah. He's very, like, his words are very sharp and he don't offer, I think, the key thing is that he don't offer services to others. So because of that, no, nobody feel compelled to, to serve him when he's sick. Uh, it's very interesting uh, when you read about this, that usually we have this, this romantic idea. Oh, in the heydays of the Buddha's time, everybody is floating around, you know, uh, with, you know, like, so brilliant, either very wise or so kind and compassionate. Uh, but this is from the Sutta. Yeah. 
not that the monks are not kind or compassionate, but they are very human just like us. Go <laughs> 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 Okay, <laughs> so, um, to which, even despite that, the Buddha said, no. So he, he asked for water and then cleaned, cleaned that monk himself. And after that, assembled all the monks and addressed the monks. He who served the sick, served the Buddha. He who served the sick, should also serve us. He who served the Buddha should also serve the sick. If you encounter someone who is sick, yeah, then you say, oh no, no, I must go to do puja. I have no time to serve the sick. Ayah. Then you are not you are going against the very teachings that you recite. Uh, the Buddha said, serve he who served the sick, serve the Buddha. Just now along the way while we were uh, on the way here, I mentioned this verse, Jiu Bing Wu Xiao Zi. Not so easy. When uh, when our parents the the Chinese say that when the parents are sick for prolonged period, hard to have filial piety persist. I mentioned to uh, to Louis and Orange that when I was uh, undergoing through training uh, when I was in university with Shanyo, we were not assigned to look to, to counsel sick patients immediately. Yeah. Out of the maybe 20 odd, five of us were, were chosen to take on actual cases. Uh, I was initially, initially assigned to handle delinquents. Then, after about maybe one or one and a half years or so, then I was assigned sick patients. Then later, chronically ill patients. Yeah. Not everybody can handle it. It is me uh, mentally, uh, how do I put it, uh, depressing to say the least. Yeah. Not that the person is depressing, uh, but we, we, it, it, it pains us. Yeah. So unless you are able to handle that, yeah, uh, it may be challenging. But sometimes you have no choice. Maybe it's your parents. You can say, I don't go and volunteer outside. But how about your parents? Maybe it's not your parents. Maybe it's your loved ones. Uh, in the Buddhist Sattva teachings, there are a lot, of, a lot of practices to help us overcome this. So uh, keep this in mind. I'll keep this in mind. Don't rush out. Uh, don't, after this class, for tomorrow immediately call up all the hospice and then go and volunteer, then Monday volunteer in, in Mount Avenue, Tuesday go to Bright Hill, the, 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 the Bright Hill Evergreen Home, then after that go to Bright Vision, go all over the place. Uh, uh, don't. Uh, do what you can. Do what you can. Okay? So here it says, if you even have this thought to help sentient beings, it surpasses that of uh, uh, offering to all the Buddhas. Then, what more? What more if you are to practice with diligence the actual deeds uh, to 
to benefit sentient beings. Earlier on, we mentioned about two kinds of bodhicitta. Can you remember? Can you remember the two kinds of bodhicitta? Yes, intent. Second one, somebody else? Can you remember? Action. Yeah? Uh, two levels. The bodhicitta at these two levels. Intent, which is just having, ah, I want to help. The second one, the actual help. So, if you currently can only have the intent, good, have the intent. Yeah. Similarly, if you encounter someone who keep on talking about doing charity but haven't do charity, sometimes our natural response is, Gong <laughs> right? Say only, uh, you only say it. Yeah, you say it so well, never do. Yeah. But sometimes, Last time I also feel that way, you know, and I'm pretty sure I may have even like passed some snipe remarks. But over the years I start to observe and think very deeply and I realize, no no no. Oh, must be careful, you know. Must not discourage them from having this kind of empty talk. Yeah, but should look at it in a positive way and try to encourage them to say, Wow, oh, you're you're such a kind person to have such thoughts. And then to find ways to encourage them, to nudge them towards carrying out those needs. I I remember once one student came to see me and uh, after the class and then commented that uh, her mother, is it mother? I think mother, uh, tend to have this, you know, uh, like for well, a lot of talk about or well, the teachings, but her own practice is. <laughs> yeah. So then she, she said that I don't want fed out tell her off. So I said, no, no, no. But at least your mother can talk about it. <laughs> yeah. And after talking, I, I sometimes wonder, now I sometimes wonder, maybe maybe for those of us who have been who are doing actual practices, yeah, of kindness and so on, maybe we have been talking for many lives, you know? Then finally now we can do it. Yeah. Yeah. So why should we discourage people from talking? Yeah, we should encourage them. Ah, very good. Wow, you are able to, to describe all the different ways of helping people. So uh wow, this is this line is so like really poke you. I don't know whether it poke you or it poke me. Fan Sing Tong Ku Ying. Yu Ren Sui Chiu Le. Hui Le. Is this Hui? Hui Tong. Hui Le Ru Mie Chou. Wow. For beings long to free themselves from misery, but misery itself they follow and pursue. They long for joy by that in their ignorance, destroy it as they would a hated enemy. Sentient beings, I mentioned earlier, sentient beings have these characteristics. We fear pain, we we are we vows towards suffering, we want to be rid of suffering. Yeah. So sentient beings desire removing suffering. But what do they do? But in the end, their actions, when they do take actions with 
in pursuit of happiness, in pursuit of removing suffering. In the end, they plant the very cause of suffering. They plant the very cause of suffering. Wow. And why? Yu ren sui chiu le. So the first part is about uh, removing suffering. The second part is about pursuit of happiness. Yu ren, a foolish person. Here, it just talks about ignorance in the translation. But in the Nikayas, uh, you see that the Buddha occasionally, he will say, you foolish man, uh, or you foolish monk. Since when did the Tathagata say that it's okay to do this or to do that? So these foolish people, although they pursue happiness, however, what do they do in, in the end? They destroy happiness, they destroy joy, as though they would uh, an enemy, yeah? a hated enemy. Uh, is there an enemy that you don't hate? Enemy, of course, you hate. <laughs> Maybe this emphasis. Why is this so? Why is this so? This is something worthwhile for us to reflect. Yeah. Uh, when we we should first reflect how what kind of suffering are we uh, suffering over? What causes us? What brings us suffering? When do we suffer? Is there a pattern to our suffering? There's an exercise that I started giving students since 2007 or 8. Uh, the first time I gave it was over, I think, Wesak Day, uh, in the midst of the Singapore Buddhist Federation Dharma classes. And it was basically a daily worksheet. In the daily worksheet, you note down uh, if you have done your practices. I have also shared this at SGC, yeah, the daily exercises. Part of it is what practices you have done. Then the second part is whether you have, uh, how do you feel today? Yeah. Uh, are you happy? Are you sad? And have you been off? Uh, I think that's a part about, uh, is there anything to be grateful? Have you helped anybody? Something like that. So if you do it regularly, over time, you may you don't need to see a psychiatrist or counselor or therapist. You know, you you, you see your own chart. <laughs> yeah. You can see your own own chart. How happy are you every day? And then you, you may want to just write down one line. What are you happy over? Yeah, in a very short few words, what are you sad or angry about? And don't try to give more than answer, okay? Or I'm suffering because of greed, hatred, <laughs> and delusion. <laughs> Who don't know? <laughs> of course. Yeah. But really ask yourself, what are the circumstances? First ask yourself, what are the circumstances? Then ask yourself, how are you involved in the whole process? We usually jump in and think, that person caused me to be upset. It's because I didn't get the pay raise it's because my my son didn't listen to me. It's because of uh, this friend who did this to me. It's because of that person 
it's always about somebody else. Now we don't say that those are not uh, supporting conditions. Those are supporting conditions. But the question is, to make ask the next question, how are we involved? Because usually we just stop there. We are totally helpless, <laughs> innocent bystander. Yeah, we are suffering for nothing. That's why there's so much injustice in so many people. Yeah. We always think that we, we are faultless, we are blameless. Sometimes we are. Okay, I don't say that we are always at, at fault. Sometimes we are. Yeah. But part of it is that we are we are still involved in some ways. We may not be directly involved in the outcome, but maybe we are involved with the consequences of the outcome. That we don't like the outcome. If you're okay with the outcome, then nothing can affect you. <laughs> That's my... <laughs> isn't it? Trump election. Trump election? <laughs> oh. The election. Okay. Yeah. Trump election. Well, the United States is still around. Singapore still exists. So it's not so bad after all. <laughs> so, uh, if you are to do the exercises and you... Uh, where was I? What was the last thing I was talking about? No. Yeah, yeah, that's the last thing. Very good point. And before that, before the Trump. Um, whether we're happy or not happy. So, uh, this this exercise helps us to do uh, a self introspection and analysis. And I've checked many times students about how if you are to plot it out you may then start to see a pattern you may start to see a pattern that ah whenever this happens you get upset or on certain days of the week ah, you get you get stressed yeah especially for those who are working in a high stress environment then you may find that on certain days of the week you are super stressed yeah or maybe the day before that you're super stressed. Now, knowing that doesn't mean that you can immediately solve it, but at least then you can have an inkling on where to start. Yeah, on where to start. Sometimes, sometimes you may not immediately even have an answer. Yeah, but having that initial awareness, uh, that's very crucial. So, uh, Buddhism, at the end of the day, is really about is really about learning more about ourselves. Yeah. When we learn Dharma, it's not about learning something outside of us. It's about learning about ourselves. And sometimes it can be quite a painful process to look inside ourselves, to face ourselves, both our strengths and weaknesses, both our qualities and our flaws yeah, to be able to say yeah, this is who I am you have a is it okay to repeat the question? which question? the self-introspection question ah, self-introspection question uh, like uh, things to be grateful for what ah, are you sad or angry okay. about uh, those who are interested in that 
the exercise, you have like uh, maybe you all can just text her. She can send you all the the. the I think I about. Angry, 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 angry. Happy, 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 足以重安了，断抵一切苦。But those who feel who who are filled with bliss, but those who feel with bliss, all beings destitute of joy, who cut all pain and suffering away from those weighed down with misery. So this is. Uh, the earlier verses that is for those who are not enlightened uh, yeah, the average second day uh, here I uh, believe this part should be talking about those with Bodhicitta yeah. uh, so lacking lacking in, in joy lacking in happiness those sentient beings that has much suffering. It's enough to to have this thought, to have uh, to give give them uh, all the various uh, peace and happiness and and to cut away, to eradicate all their suffering. In the teachings on love and compassion, then it says, uh, if you encounter a sentient being without happiness and without suffering, uh, then give rise to loving kindness. Loving kindness and compassion are actually very intertwined. In a way, we can say that it is goodwill towards others. Yeah. Wish for others to have well-being. But different people are at different states. So some sentient beings, they don't have happiness, but they are also not suffering, yeah. or not significantly suffering. Then in which case, that, that goodwill, that kindness, uh, arise in the form of loving kindness to wish for that person to have happiness. If you encounter a being who has suffering, then you don't have to talk about its happiness really. Happiness and suffering, they don't arise together. If a being is suffering, you cannot be happy. So if you encounter some being who is suffering, and if you have goodwill towards that being, then quite naturally to give rise to compassion, which is to remove that suffering. This verse here, uh, this verse here has that uh, flavor. Yeah. To those who is lacking in joy and those who have suffering. Yeah. They can be overlapping, they can be uh, different groups. Yeah. Yes. 
Verse 28 are those who, who are uh, without bodhicitta, the typical person. Yeah? Uh, sentient beings go through samsara, birth and death, birth and death. Want to be free of suffering, want to have happiness, but end up sowing the seeds of pain. Yeah? Try to pursue happiness, but end up destroying the very happiness they seek. But for the for those with bodhicitta, uh, then seeing beings without much happiness or is lacking in happiness, uh, wish to provide them with all kinds of peace and happiness. Yeah. Seeing that they have much suffering, seeing that they have much suffering, uh, wish to eradicate all suffering. But like what? Uh, Dalai Lama uh, is said to have said uh, he says I think he said that because I think I saw a video and he said uh, if you cannot have uh, kindness towards others if you cannot help others at least don't add on to their suffering <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> uh, at least don't go and add on to their suffering I, to me, this this statement itself speaks a lot about this understanding of human condition. That sometimes in our own deluded state, we like in this class we are we are considering well, how to have bodhicitta. Yeah. Uh, previous weeks, Louis was Louis is not here today. Louis was still asking like, what is is this too high for me? You know. Yeah. But for many people. They don't even think about bodhicitta. They're thinking, oh, that person don't give me a face. I must let that person. <laughs> yeah. So when the Dalai Lama say that, uh, I feel that uh, he knows human uh, uh, condition very well. Yeah. He, he knows human condition. That we have, a, we have this potential. As long as we are not enlightened, as long as we have not given rise to bodhicitta, we may sometimes have the wish to hurt others, no matter how subtle that hurt is. We may not uh, go and do it ourselves, but we may have this thought of hoping that the person uh, get in trouble. So uh, here, this is quite different now, Bodhicitta. We must seek to uh, remove the suffering, uh, give happiness. Uh, there's one part about the suffering which uh, I want to highlight also from the earlier verses about suffering. When we reflect on suffering and we point it towards ourselves, when I in the in the long the sub commentary it explains this. I was so happy because this is yeah 
this is what I thought it should be. When you uh, do reflection on impermanence, on suffering, yeah, and you reflect on your, yourself, then it gives rise to renunciation. point towards uh, liberation. But when you do this same reflection and look outwards, it gives rise to compassion. Uh, it gives rise to compassion. It's the same belief. Depends on how you cut it. Yeah. Not to go and cut people. Uh, or maybe we should say the same lens. Yeah. When you look at yourself, you realize you have suffering. Yeah. Then it compels you to be liberated. But don't keep on looking at yourself. That's why some students, when they come to see me, the exercise I give them is, go and care, I mentioned, right? I'm going to care for others. Because when you see others suffering, um, then compassion arises, bodhicitta arises. So here, Sorry, and who drive away the darkness of their ignorance. What virtue could be matched with this? What friend could be compared to the <laughs> <laughs> this to, to, to he maybe what merit is there similar to this so referring to the uh, to the previous verse yeah. uh, so the, for bodhicitta person with bodhicitta then the person with bodhicitta would seek to drive away the ignorance uh, to further so is this a continuation from the previous verse? Yeah. The previous verse is uh, to try to give them joy, remove suffering. But here, to even remove that ignorance, that delusion. Yeah. To, to do that. Ning yeah. So, would you not rather have such a, such a virtue? What virtue could be compared with this? And How to compare? Huh? I think you have friends who are like that. Friends who are always seeking out your welfare, to help you when you don't have happiness, to give you happiness. When you are suffering, to remove your suffering. And then when you are foolish, to remove your, your foolishness. Sounds like parent, no. Early on, it says really, parent, I'm not able to do this. 
not that parents don't want to do this, but parents are not able to comprehend this even. How many parents, uh, I know of some parents who are afraid of their children from learning Dharma. Some of the students in SGC, they are not like that. They want their children to learn Dharma, but their children don't want to learn Dharma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah? uh, but I, I keep highlighting to the, those who attend my class. Yeah? Sometimes even almost like with sarcasm, you know. <laughs> Why? Because so many times I have, I when I uh, when I encounter some devotees, some of them may be may even be was holding senior position in the committee of a this this Buddhist organization or that temple or multiple. So there was once one of them, you know, we had a casual chit chat, then uh, uh, out of genuine concern, I, I wasn't trying to dig for things to. Some people, uh, as much as sometimes I can be quite, <laughs> but so I asked like, hey, so how, how many children do you have? Two, two sons. Uh, uh, then I asked like, so uh, also your your son also come from the center. Uh, is and this is quite a big center in Singapore. Then ah uh, no. It's one thing to say no la. You know what one of them actually told me? Well, actually, uh, this must be said in Chinese. Uh, yeah, actually, Fu Tang, Xiao Tang are all also teaching people to be good. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, get me. <laughs> you understand Fu Tang, Xiao Tang? But you also learn from their response. <laughs> yeah, from their response. Basically, Huotang means Buddhist temple. Yeah, Xiao Tang means church. So, so the person said, Huotang, Xiao Tang, I say, I just say, it's okay. Same, same, then why are you here? So, some, some parents will tell me that, no, Sufu, kids nowadays, new generation, and to give them freedom. You know what I tell them? In case if anybody, any of you ever want to tell me, don't tell me this. Huh? I tell them, give them freedom. Do you give them freedom to study or not study? Do you give them tuition, uh, uh, freedom to go for enrichment class or not? Do you give them the freedom to, to go for tuition or not to tuition? In so many other areas, parents don't give their children any any choice at all, no freedom. But when it comes to freedom, oh, must have freedom. <laughs> so I told them, I said, it's not a wrong thing to give our, ch our child freedom. But freedom is like voting, you know, like yesterday, is it yesterday? Or two days ago? Two Donald days Trump? Two days ago. Oh, already two days. Nine one one. <laughs> Nine one one yesterday. Yesterday, right? Not, not two days ago, yesterday. Two days ago. Two days ago. It was 9 Oh, it was on 911. Yeah. Yeah. On Wednesday, right? Yeah, 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 two days ago. Oh, time flies, huh? Oh, we're still alive. <laughs> yeah. So, whether it's US voting or our voting, when you go to vote, surely you want to vote intelligently, 
make an informed choice, isn't it? Yeah. Even when you want to go and have a meal, uh, okay like in Singapore science food court we just anyhow find the shortest queue. Huh? <laughs> yeah. But even that is an informed choice, isn't it? You want to see, open your eyes and see, ma. you don't just go inside and ask your friend, hey, just bring me somewhere and order. <laughs> then you go to the counter and then the auntie says, uh, what do you want? Uh, anything. anything uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't ordered in this way. When I was working in Suntec, cross the Nico Highway, then they have a vegetarian store there. So at some point, I told myself, yeah, I don't, I want to practice like non-attachment to whatever. So I told them, uh, I think how much was it? Uh, maybe three fifty or four dollars. So I said, uh, four dollars. Anything you choose. Then the person looked, huh? Then, as much as I say that, the person said, the cat can. <laughs> but when it comes to voting or in our everyday life, we, we, we would choose, isn't it? And we want to choose with an informed, make an, an informed decision. So likewise for religion. You cannot force a person to be a Buddhist, trust me. You cannot, but you cannot. Yeah, you can force a person to come to a temple. The person can come, can even go through the refuge taking ceremony. But in the heart, if the person don't connect, don't connect. Yeah? The person is, in a way, not a Buddhist. Just by form, just by, when you were filling up the form, Buddhist religion, take yes. Yeah? Other than that, for all intents and purposes, not a Buddhist. So I've been encouraging parents. If you have a child, if you consider yourself a Buddhist, meaning that you are a disciple of the Buddha, then why should you not at least let your child be exposed to the very religion that you subscribe to? So that in future, in due time, when your child is old enough to make a decision, then your child can decide knowing what because I know of many others who are more than eager to tell your child about what Buddhism is. And trust me, it's not telling them the truth. <laughs> huh? Sorry? Why not? Why not? Why they don't tell the truth? Huh? Don't you go to ask them, don't ask me. <laughs> but if there's anything, any guess to go by, uh, Oh, I don't know. Maybe they don't want them to know the truth. We owe them to the temple. We owe them to the temple. If they do some good in thanks for favors once received are praised. Why need we speak of Buddhism to us, those who freely benefit the world? Now this part is in connection with the next section, I believe. Now so So even those, when they do help you, with the expectation that you must thank them, the first line is about that. Yeah. Uh, 
that, but even that, you should praise them. Huh? You should thank them. You should praise them. Yeah, because they, at least they still help people. Yeah. So much more those bodhisattvas who do it willingly without you even asking. Yeah. That they would, uh, they would, uh, on their own, try to help you. On their own, try to help you. In the Bodhisattva vows, there's one vow that says uh, a Bodhisattva should not wait for others to ask them for help. Yeah. It says if you know that someone needs help, you must quickly go and render it. So that the person don't have to face the like awkwardness of asking for help. Wow. So so much consideration, you know. Yeah. It's not about oh the person need help, wow, I quickly go and help, I have married. <laughs> not about that, you know. It's that you quickly render help so that the person is not do not have to go through that awkwardness to ask for help. There's so so many layers. You're helping the person, you still want to make that person feel good. Yeah, it's, it's just yeah, so amazing. We're going to make Buddhism great again. <laughs> did you did you watch the the voting or watch the the like victory speech and the concession speech? Anyone? No. Ah, uh, really? No, nobody. Uh. <laughs> or a couple of you. Uh. Any thoughts? No thoughts, okay. Those who scornfully with condescension give just once a single meal to others, feeding them for only half a day, are honored by the world as virtuous. This is connected to the next verse. 恒况恒施于无边有情众善事无上乐满比一切愿。So the these two verses are linked together. The first one is about how even if a person were to prepare uh, inferior food, yeah, and even just to give, uh, like just give very little, yeah, to very few individuals, and even then. To feed 
them enough just for half a day. Uh, even then, such a person, we say, wow, you is a virtuous person. Yeah? Last time I uh, I hear I hear of how my uh, my grandfather from one side. Is it my grandfather or your grandfather? Give up food, give up rice and all these things. Your uncle or my uncle? Your uncle, uh, uh, because by the time my my uncle, the family wealth already gone. <laughs> so your uncle, right? My great-grandfather, I heard about how my great-grandfather uh, would, uh, would actually give up rice to the village, to the people. Then in the movies, oh, this is what you hear, in the, you watch in the movies, oh, my great uh, here is saying that even if you just give half uh, enough to just feed them for half a day, you're considered virtuous. Uh, that's my mom, my mom, mother's side. My father's side. <laughs> uh, after the class, maybe I get a scolding from my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all don't know, y'all don't know one. After class, every time I get it. So, Sri Hu Pai Tan. No, but, but I'm, very, I'm very grateful to my mother for always telling me. Yeah. Last time I told her, I said, uh, don't, uh, it's a long story, so I just tell her the part that is relevant. I told her, you must remember, your, uh, <clears throat> today, uh, your son, since young, if you are not reasonable, your son would willingly go hungry uh, and not, not speak to you to collect pocket money yeah, than to speak to you because you are not reasonable. So your son is like that. Uh, so, but... You are my mother. You and father have a duty. It's your responsibility. If ever I do wrong, even in future, when I have finished my studies and I'm working and I'm paying for the bills and I'm actually taking care of the household, if I do wrong, you must still tell me off. It is your duty. If you fail to do that, you have failed your duty. Crazy son. So my my uh, I wanted to talk about my grandfather actually, my father's side. Because my, I've heard from them before that uh, in some ways and I think I have briefly mentioned in SGC about my grandfather, that I heard that my grandfather uh, in Hokkien we say but you must listen to the whole story otherwise later I guess the so the, the first thing is that it seems like he don't really take care of the family yeah. uh, and last time 
common for people to be smoking opium. So, yeah, maybe you can smoke it. <laughs> but to me, I, I, I tell people, if, if people ask, I will, I will say. People don't ask, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a, because there's a teaching point. Yeah. Because for me, yeah, I cannot change the fact that my, my grandfather is like that one. It, it, so what if I don't tell you? It's the fact is that he is my grandfather. I have never seen him before, but he's such a person. I didn't think much about that though. Uh, I don't understand what it means to have a father or a father-in-law who smokes opium. But at some point, I also heard another part about the, of the story, which is that my grandmother uh, has a hard time freeing up from the whole family. So the part of the, the, the teaching point was that because the, the father, my grandfather didn't take care so much, you know, so my grandmother really had a hard time. Uh, my mother would tell us things like that to 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 instill in us uh, piety and gratitude towards my grandmother because my grandmother is quite a tough love person, no? quite a hard person. So not a very amiable person. Not not easy to like. Ah, oh, ama ama. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but my mom would tell us, and my father would would uh, endorse it and say, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. But later on, then there was an another part of the story that came about that during the war period. Uh, my my my. Because my grandfather didn't bring in much, so my my grandma would actually get uh, make quick quick or whatever to sell. Yeah. But after making it, then she, she still must take care of the children. So asked my grandfather to go and sell. So later, oh, so she made pass my grandfather to sell. Then she go and wash clothes for people. Can you imagine how tough the life is? And then kids these days complain, oh, no chance to go to go overseas or work or what. Like, or, or ah, Sifu, I got this job, but not sure that is what I want. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> what is what you want? Anyway, the the this that's this very touching part about this story, this this part of the whole process, which is that after my grandma finished washing, then come to look for my grandfather, then find that hey, how come? There's so little money. Then, you know what happened? My grandfather said, "No, no, one time, uh, people got no money. I give them away." Don't, don't know whether to cry or to laugh. Or to, but last time when I heard it, I don't feel so much though. But in recent years, not that my mother every week come and tell me again, but I would reflect about what has been told to me, and when I reflect. I'm like, one day I told my mom, she didn't bring it up, but one day I just told my mom, I said, I feel that in my heart, my grandfather is a Bodhisattva. <laughs> Maybe not a grand Bodhisattva like Koi you know, but I feel that he has those qualities. <laughs> I don't know which Bodhisattva spoke of you. <laughs> Maybe he's not a high grade Bodhisattva. <laughs>
多人受伤啊，就会死了。嗯，阿公哦，去，他不怕他被炸死，他去抬那些人被炸的人受伤去，干那些人。Yeah. 所以我说他也是有做装的方式。Yeah. 对啊，所以现在 some people ask me like, does it mean that all Buddhist sattvas are Buddhist? Uh, yes and no, you know. When we say Buddhist, does it mean that they come to temple, pray, then they are Buddhist? Or does it mean that they are Buddhist in their action? Does it mean that they are Buddhist sattvas in their action? Yeah. I don't think I I I have never heard of my my grandfather going to temple or whatever. <laughs> But to me, when he's out in the streets helping people, or when he just give freely, he's in the temple. Yeah, that is his temple. So, uh, so the first part about how even those who uh, give not that much is considered virtuous, then, 何况恒施于无边有情众，善事无上乐，满彼一切愿。So, what need is there to speak of those who constantly bestow on boundless multitudes the peerless joy of blissful Buddhahood, the ultimate fulfillment of their hopes? So, these two are verses that are intertwined. The comparison. If someone who just give a bit is considered virtuous, what more is there to say of those who uh, give give to uh, boundless sentient things, yeah, and to actually uh, guide them towards the supreme enlightenment, and in so doing, fulfill all their hopes, all their aspirations. I would prefer to use aspirations than hopes, yeah. Because hope and wish can sometimes be like a very uh, passive kind of uh, process, where you just hope not you hope, yeah. But you don't have to do anything. Yeah. 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 If we just have the wish, but we don't act upon it, it's wishful thinking. But if you just show without the proper aspiration, then you are charging blindly. Okay, nine eighteen. Uh, the meditative state. Yeah. 
refer to the meditative statements. Um, and but when we say samadhi, uh, it is not that the moment you sit like this, you are in samadhi. Uh, samadhi would refer to when your mind is calm, stable, from moment to moment is is stable. Is it related to Dharma? Uh, good point. So, uh, in the process uh, of cultivation, first of all for yourself and then outwardly towards others, if a person is not able to develop uh, even rudimentary form of samadhi, then the person is still beset by a lot of gross active form of defilements. Further, the person will not be able to penetrate into the truth itself. In which case, then, uh, even if you are able to like uh, keep the defilements at, at bay, you have not eradicated it. Which means that now you are okay. Tomorrow, not so sure. Yeah. So, uh, having the having developed samadhi, then a person can progress uh, on his own yeah, and give rise to true wisdom. With true wisdom, then you try to help others uh, safer, better. Now, even if a person has not achieved enlightenment uh, with the aid of samadhi, uh, consider this. Have you ever gone to see a doctor and the doctor is very kanchang? Very few. Maybe if you go to A&E, maybe a bit more kanchang. <coughs> I've never gone to A&E quite well, you know, on your uh, last time. Uh, and now as a, as a monk, I would visit uh, patients and I go to the hospital once in a while to visit patients. And this is the one quality that I find very interesting. Almost all doctors, cool as a cucumber. You, know, you go in, you see them, you, you just feel okay. <laughs> you know, they speak in a very um, controlled, very measured manner, yeah, very calmly. Can you imagine if when you go and see doctor, doctor, ha 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 ha? You know, it's like when you go to the top side, yeah, right? The uncle, hi, hi. Usually you have one problem. When you leave, you have two problems. <laughs> so even without going to uh, the enlightenment portion, if a person can practice samadhi, he can be calmer here and now, and he may be able to relate to others better and to help them more effectively. Yeah. So samadhi in so many ways, uh, beyond the scope of this uh, class, uh, is helpful for us. Life go down, life on. <laughs> 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 Can you in this way. If one day Sir Hu thought in this way, you know something went wrong. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. 
but sometimes when I uh, when I some students may say like oh so, like I openly tell people I I browse YouTube yeah I browse the Facebook and stuff why because if I if I don't know what's in the mindset of the, the young people when I talk to them uh, they were like I another old timer <laughs> Immediately they will switch off, right? Yeah. So although I'm not on Snapchat, I know that something something called Snapchat. Yeah. Do you know what is Snapchat? Uh, so that is part of the skillful uh, means uh, of the Buddhist yeah. So when we talk about right speech, it's not just about not telling lies. It's about knowing ah with this person. What are the topics that will delight this person? Because if you, if the first five minutes you cannot even make the person happy to talk to you, you want to talk about dharma. First thing, hey, do you are you going to temple or not? So sometimes I have to spend time to chit chat, to chat, make the person comfortable, comfortable. Then after that, come on, come as you see. Oh, you can consider. Yeah, the first thing really life come as you see, come for what? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So go back. Uh, today is Friday. Yeah. Have a good weekend. Enjoy a weekend. Enjoy uh, being a Buddhist <laughs> uh, That day, last uh, last two weeks, someone asked me. He has been chanting Buddha's name. Uh, initially, it was lifted. By now, it's very easy. Every day, 3,000 times. Yeah. Uh, 3,000 is not that much. It's quite doable if you commit yourself to do it. So then, he said that now, although you can do it in one shot, like 45 minutes to an hour, but he finds that uh, he, he's still troubled by whatever is he's facing. So I asked him, I said, how about throughout the day? Because I told him, now that you can do it one shot, now you should do it throughout the day. And then he's like, ah, throughout the day. Then I told him, I said, because at the later stage, if you are practicing this, not that you all have to practice, but if you are practicing chanting, then it should, you should go beyond the 3,000. Then you shouldn't think about how many times have I come chanted every day. Why? Then he looked at me, puzzled, I said, because at the later stage, you should have joy in the chanting. You must chant until you 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 feel joy in the chanting. If you meditate, you must meditate until you feel joy. When you learn Dharma, you must learn until you feel joy. When you attend Dharma classes, you must attend until you feel joy. Yeah. When you get scolded by Sifu, you must get scolded. <laughs> When you practice Bodhisattva path, you must practice until you feel joy. Then you can be like the Bodhisattvas, tirelessly, life after life, life after life. Yes,